Hey guys, Christina Scott here. Pastor Kyle is on vacation for this edition of Fathom Beyond Sunday. So Andrew Steyer is back in the studio with me and we get to talk about his sermon from this past Sunday, The Ugly Road to Forgiveness. You do not want to miss the last 10 minutes of this podcast. We start talking about, we share some stories and start talking about what it it looks like to really pray for the people who have hurt you and how we can recognize whether we are praying for ourselves or praying for them. So stick it out all the way to the end. We love you. We're so excited about this conversation. Hello and welcome to the Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. I am Christina Scott here with Anchor Group's coach, Andrew Steyer. Back for week two, baby. Yes, we brought him back. I know I left you on a cliffhanger last week, whether or not our guest would be someone different, but that was mostly for making sure that his schedule could handle coming back and seeing us here at Fathom Beyond Sunday. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad because not only is he Anchor Group's coach, Andrew Steyer, but he is also the person who preached on Sunday. And I love getting to talk to the person who preached on Sundays. I usually get to do that with Pastor Kyle Nelson. He'll be back next week. Yeah, it was fun. It's fun for me to be able to talk kind of because I put in, putting in the, the work and the study and all the time to prepare. There's just certain things that you can't say on Sunday. There's certain lines that you can't expound upon. There's, there's all these other things going on. And so um, I was sure to make sure that I was here to, yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I love it. Um, straight out of the gate, our, hopefully our microphones are working well today. Cause that was just brutal Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> like you were so chill about it. And so very like, I don't know. I just feel like I would not have handled it as well as you did two microphones, the Brittany and the handheld. Yeah. The Brittany mic. I actually don't love the Brittany mic. I know. I remember. I remember <laughs> Please give me the handheld. Right. I've, I've, I've talked to, to Pastor Kyle and he says he just hates handheld. Like he does not like the handheld while he's preaching. Uh-huh. And, um, and, uh, but, but I mean, I, I was on a poor youth budget for most of my preaching <laughs> career. So I got used to uh, pretty bad handhelds and still happen. like with the wires still, right? Like the wire, yeah. wired handhelds, not even wired. Connected to something, getting wrapped up in it. Tripping over the cord, yeah. et cetera. Cool. Yeah. So right out of the gate on Sunday, you said something. So the, the, the message was called the ugly road to forgiveness. We are part three of this hurt in the church series, church hurt series, however you're saying it, however you're seeing it in your brain when you're looking at the graphic. Um, But the ugly road to forgiveness, that title speaks like a lot. It's sort of like that picture is worth a thousand words. The ugly road to forgiveness means this isn't going to be an easy sermon to preach. It's not going to be an easy sermon to hear. And here we go. Let's just dive right in. <laughs> I, I remember um, when when Kyle asked me to, to fill in. I said, um, "Yeah, this the church hurt series, neat, right? <laughs> like I'm here to get a lot from this, and I'm like just coasting along, excited to hear what he has to bring." And and then all of a sudden, he's like, "Oh yeah, will you will you help out?" And so yeah, of course, right? As my church, I love my church, and um, so I was able to step in. And so I said, "Let's talk." Um, I'll start, start mulling some things around in my head, but I want to be crystal clear about where you want this to go. Yeah, You have a plan uh, for this series, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that are left unsaid. What do you want said? 
Yeah. Definitely. And so we got together and we're sitting at a picnic table outside and I was like, so what, what do you, what do you want the like title or theme to be? And he said, the ugly road to forgiveness. And I was like, me, <laughs> right. Awesome. Um, cause that's a hard message. And, and, um, and, you know, it's not that Kyle didn't want to preach that sermon. I, I, I think he probably really did. I bet too. he did yeah. too, because as a, as a preacher, as a pastor, he, taking touchy topics like this and helping people understand them rightly brings so much joy. So I guarantee you that, that he wanted to preach this one, but also what I, what I love about my pastor is that he's not a pastor. That's going to like bully and protect the pulpit. I've, I've been there too, right. Where right. nobody else gets to touch the pulpit. And so he had great, great trust that I'd handle it with care. And we spent a lot of time talking about it as well, but I made a couple comments in my sermon that I hope didn't come across as Kyle didn't want to preach this, or I, you know, I think I said, hey, thanks for this sermon, Kyle, but <laughs> mainly just to try to communicate to everyone that, like, I have no spiritual authority at this church. I just go here. Like, I'm just a brother in Christ and, and who happens to be able to write a sermon, and, and being able to bring that to everyone was, was a joy, but it was really hard. It was not, not easy as we will, we'll dive into that a little bit more, but even straight out of the gate, I was so, um, just, uh, I don't know. The word is not, it's not taken aback, but I was just really, um, impressed with the vulnerability right out of, in the beginning of saying, Hey, like you guys have heard from me before. If you're brand new, maybe you haven't, but like, here's kind of my story, but also like, here's who I am. I'm a pastor's kid. And, um, I've seen a lot of church hurt from different perspectives, right? Yeah. Like I've seen it from these different angles. I've seen it directed toward my superhero. Like that was the line that really stuck with me. This, the idea of seeing um, the arrows and the darts like slung toward your superhero. But one of the things that you said that I really, um, I want, I want to repeat here because I just thought it was so good. Again, if you have not listened to the sermon, just shut us off right now. Like pause this, stop this, go and listen to the fathom church sermon podcast of the ugly road to forgiveness by Andrew Steyer this past Sunday. And, um, and here where he says you, you take those hurts, right. And you sort of stuff them sometimes depending on how they're handled and put them in a box on a shelf in the attic of our heart. And that was such a clear picture to me of what we can do with things. that are perceived hurts that weren't intentional yeah. or even with intentional hurts that we just do not want to deal with. Yeah. Like we don't want to, we don't want to wrestle through all of that stuff. What is that? What is that like metaphor mean to you? This idea of the, this box on the shelf of the attic of your heart. Yeah. Um, that was a, I mean, that it just kind of like spilled out as I'm writing my sermon. I kind of write how I talk. And so, um, and I'm big into analogies. And so that it really just, it kind of just spilled out of, of me as I was writing this. And because I think that um, it is really difficult to acknowledge our hurt, but it's even more difficult to to deal with it and like deal with it rightly and walk through it. It's much easier to just put it away and either pretend it didn't happen mm-hmm. or um or only take it out when we're feeling particularly like 
vulnerable or we would we want to indulge in that a little bit and so just this idea of like boxing it up and go putting it going and putting it in on the shelf in the attic of your heart that sometimes when you get a little jostled that box will fall off the shelf and it Mm -hmm. spills open and all of a sudden you're hurting and you don't really know what triggered it and because you've never dealt with it right sometimes you don't even know which box fell off the shelf yeah. What is it that I'm even, what am I even wrestling with right now? What am yeah. I trying to stuff back down? Yeah, I think, and I think I acknowledge that um, in, in the sermon a little bit um, by, by saying that we are so prone to things like, uh, things like pettiness and anger. And there's, there's these like triggers and I, I almost hate to use that word just because of what culture has done with the word trigger right um but there are these triggers that make you think of the situations that you thought you dealt with but never did mm-hmm. right like so so you'll hear a song or you'll see a street sign or you'll drive past someone's house and it's this this immediate welling up of anxiety that you get just because well I never actually dealt with that it, you know with that person or just in my own heart, I just stuck it on a, on a shelf yeah. and pretended like it didn't exist, but surprise, it just spilled all over the floor. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of the points you made in this, I was telling you before we hit record that I kind of felt like your sermon had two parts. Mm-hmm. Like there were these two distinct parts, but that meshed so well together. Um, that, so in this first part of your sermon, you said God's intention for us. You use the word intention yeah. a lot and then like defined that word intention. Yeah. God's intention for us is to imitate Christ. And Christ never did that stuffing down, push, yeah. pushing away, not dealing. Um, even when it was like throughout the gospels, we read things were not convenient like it was not convenient to deal with someone's sin or yeah. someone's healing or someone's anything, right? It's not convenient to deal with their emotions, but he always did it. He never stuffed and shoved and and boxed away. Yeah. And so if God's intention for us is to imitate Christ, then we got to deal with our stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And really there is no peace there is no joy there is no unity when it's not dealt with i mean that really in the the first movement of the sermon was hey everyone let's all get on the same page that right. I, I i think i even said a line i think my favorite my favorite part of writing that sermon was when i kind of defined how we intentionally hurt and unintentionally hurt others and then how we are intentionally and unintentionally hurt and then i said hey spoiler alert you are playing all these characters in someone's story all the time, right? You are, you are both hurting them intentionally and unintentionally, and you are being hurt by someone. And so we need to learn how to walk through it instead of just boxing it up and putting it away because you got a long road ahead of you. And God's intention is that you would have real peace and real joy. And like I said, it's impossible without walking through it in a Christ-like manner. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that you said that I wrote in my notes, you guys know, listeners, you know, I write a lot of notes. <laughs> this was, um, if God's intention for us is to imitate Christ, when did the goal, when did our goal, like when did we shift the goal from imitating Christ to the goal became just don't hurt them back? Like yeah. just don't be as bad to them 
as they were to us yeah. or whatever, right? Fill in the blank. Yeah. Just don't kill someone. Like what? Yeah, it's it's like, well, minimize the sin when you retaliate. And it's like retaliation's not off the table, just retaliate less. Right, retaliate um, better. And and I think that's a really good example of how we can begin to create our own doctrine. We create our own faith, right? Yeah. Where and we do this in a lot of areas, um, but this is a big one where it's like, okay, well, clearly God wouldn't want me to do that to them, to hurt them in that way, but I'm just going to mix up what Jesus tells me to do with a little bit of my own sinful indulgence, mm-hmm. and what comes out the other end is I'll just uh, veil an insult in a Facebook status and post it, but they'll know. Right. No, no one else might know. They'll just think I'm not doing okay, but they'll know Mm. it's not as bad. Like I'm not, I'm not gossiping about them, but I just want them to feel it a little bit. Yeah. And that, (laughs) was that too real? Was that too much? Um, (laughs) I'm like, Oh, uh, all right. (laughs) But like we do that. We, we want them. And I've even seen in my relationship with my kids, when I'm having a disagreement with them, I want those little petty jabs. I, I want to win the moment. I want to win the conversation, but I don't want to be, I don't want them to be able to accuse me of, mm. of, of being sinful. Right. So how do I navigate being um, retaliatory, if that's a word? Yes. How do I navigate retaliating against my kids or, or, or arguing with them where I'm bordering the line between Christ-likeness and complete human sinfulness and like how do i toe that line and that's been the goal that a lot of us have created for ourselves is like, how do i how do i be christ-like and win yeah yeah what what is the least amount of christ-like i can be to where it's convenient for me mm-hmm. right because our human minds will run toward pettiness which is i think the great plague in the in the american church is are indulging our pettiness and not dealing with it appropriately. That was something we were talking about again before we hit record is the idea that pettiness is, um, is a way, like if we just confess our pettiness, right? So if we're, that we as in, in the Christian church, right? In the American Christian church, that if we just acknowledge these bad things about us, if we confess it and we say it to someone, we don't actually have to work on it. We don't actually have to try and fix it, or we don't have to ask for for Jesus to help us fix it. We don't have to ask for help from the Holy Spirit to fix it if we just acknowledge it. If I just tell you that I'm being petty right now, then you won't think I'm a terrible person all the time. You're just having a petty moment, and then that's okay. Yeah. And that's so gross. Because, because okay, so one of the phrases that comes out of my mouth is, I'll say something really petty, clearly knowing that it's sinful, and then I'll go, I know, I'm working on myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, this like flippant acknowledgement that that shouldn't have come out of me, but, hey, I know, I know, I'm working on myself. Like, like that one just seemed to slip by. Good thing God forgives, right? How convenient for me. But we don't actually do the hard work of, walking through what it looks like to become less petty um and and i've just i've been around this a lot and it's really easy to move into pettiness with christian doctrine like it's it's weird it's weird how easy it is for for someone to just 
add a drop of sin to Christian doctrine and end up with, well, I'm not being blatantly sinful or evil. I'm just being a little petty. Yeah. And it's just so damaging, especially in this realm of forgiveness. Right. Like, because if I'm being petty, it is absolutely true that I have not forgiven. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and then that petty comment, like, you, you really do feel like, well, no, I did forgive them. But, you know, did you see what they did this weekend? Right? Like, the, 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 the petty things come out. And it's a great indicator that, no, you have not dealt with this. Right. Because like, you have not forgiven them. Right. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. So yeah. what is in your heart is what is going to come out of your mouth. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a battle. It's not easy. Like, I, I'll admit, I used to be an incredibly petty person. I'm good with words. Before I knew Jesus, like tearing people down was how I, how I felt validated. And, and so I got really good at being petty and veiling it behind this like humor. Right. It's where it was like, oh no, it's like just a joke. Right. But it would actually tear people down. And what I, I didn't realize it had really made a home in my heart. And I was living this Christian life and God was reforming all of these areas of my life. And this is one that I just wouldn't give him because I didn't acknowledge it as sinful. Mm-hmm. Just probably not the best. Right, right. I I think it's interesting that as you you talked about God's intention is not that we would look like we came out of the octagon, like not that Christians, his his Christ followers would not look battered and bruised and and beaten and hurt. Yeah. But when we are, I don't think that we acknowledge how much that pettiness and those things, yes, they hurt other people, but they really hurt us. They're doing great harm. We're doing great harm to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we think that we're throwing jabs at other people yeah, and we end up catching it in the face more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, I mean, as Jesus is talking about retaliation, he's not talking about the benefit of others. Like, yeah, there's a benefit to somebody else. If I don't retaliate, there's an obvious benefit. Christ example, you know, but he's talking about redefining their own hearts. He's saying, listen, it's like, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder, but I'm telling you that if you hate in your heart, it's as serious as, you know, I'm telling you that if you lust in your heart, it's as serious as committing adultery. And I'm telling you that you can't retaliate against people. You have to deal with it in your heart. Um, And and holding on to pettiness, holding on to grudges, like refusing to forgive is understandable. It, it really is, but it's not acceptable, right? Like yeah. you will never, you will never experience the joy that God offers in its fullness, intentionally holding on to pettiness. Yeah. And that's a way of knowing that you're like, that we are like Peter and that our forgiveness has a limit (laughs) is that our joy will then also have a limit, right? Here, Peter is side by side with Jesus, like in his presence. And he's like, okay, so how often, how much do I have to actually forgive somebody else? There he is. He's there in the fullness of joy, right? (laughs) He's side by side, walking arm in arm with Jesus and wondering, do I really have to forgive him like a seven times good enough. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a wild conversation because we, we, we typically just blow past this story and don't really sit here and, and 
acknowledge what Peter's trying to do. And it's what we try to do a lot of times. We look at God and we're like, I'm trying. I really am trying. Like, look, I've forgiven once and then I forgave again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And and they're still doing it, God. Like, when am I going to get my retribution? Like, when are you, you know, David in the Psalms is like, destroy my enemies, God. But, (laughs) but like, he, he, like, when's that going to happen for me? And when can I stop forgiving, please? Yeah. I I would like to stop this. And it's just a fundamental misunderstanding that Peter has and that we all have of like what Jesus is actually getting at in the changing of our hearts. Like it's not where's the line and when can I stop forgiving? It it really is. You shouldn't have a line. (laughs) Like you never stop. That's the point. Forget the line exists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in this parable of the unforgiving servant, this is Matthew chapter 18, where you went, what I like to call the second movement of the sermon, (laughs) into the parable of the unforgiving servant. Um, There's what, like 12 verses there. We're not going to read all of that today. Um, But but basically what happens is this servant um, goes, this master realizes that his servant has a debt he cannot pay. Um, and he is going to sell this family, the, the servant and his family, mm-hmm. um, to try to recoup some of his loss on mm-hmm. this guy. And the guy comes to the master and then like begs him and says, please just give me more time. I will pay back everything I owe to you, but like, please do not sell me. Like, don't sell off my family. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Um, I will, I'll pay you everything that I owe you. I'm just, I need more time kind of thing. And instead of giving him more time, this is something I read, I I discovered, I guess, in my rereading, I've read this uh, parable a number of times, but instead of giving him a grace period or more time or saying, okay, well, like I'll reduce your debt. He doesn't do, the master doesn't do any of those things. He forgives the debt. He just straight up forgives the debt. And I think you referenced it in, like tra- like translated the the monetary value from what our you know ancient yeah whatever into American money was six billion dollars. So this servant owes his master six billion dollars, and he was going to just recoup a bit of it by selling <laughs> this yeah. family, right? And instead of saying yes, I'll give you a grace period, or yes, I'll reduce your uh, what you owe me, he's like you came to me and you asked for this forgiveness, you got it. Yeah. I will just cancel your entire debt. So immediately the servant leaves, like the way that this parable reads, it's so fast. He's like, immediately he turns around and goes like that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him. What was the $12,000. So he owed his master six billion. Some other dude owes him 12 grand. And he went straight to him and was like, beat it out of him. Yeah, so <laughs> she chokes him and he just he throws him into jail. Throws, which I don't, this is something I won't ever understand. Like just, you'll hear my, um, my ignorance in this, but like, how do people in jail or how are they going to make more money to pay you? That part yeah. is rough. So anyway, but so he does, he like tries to beat it out of him and throws him in a jail. And then the master finds out about it. 
And the master finds out and is like, you are wicked. That is wickedness. What you have done is wicked. And um, you have not had mercy on those people with you. Like now there is no mercy for you. So in this story, what we hear and one, and I'm going to quote you again, the servant left that he left his debt being forgiven. Unaffected. Mm -hmm. Unchanged by the mercy of his master, the true depth and breadth of what had just happened was not, he did not realize it. And he left unaffected by the mercy of the master. And, and as you were preaching on Sunday, I wrote down a question and I wrote down like just a note to myself. And I thought this would be a good place to, to talk about it. But do we think that sometimes we are playing the role of the servant and we leave this, like we leave that room. We think we still have a debt we have to pay back that we have to go and run and find these ways to show that we are good to show that we have something to give back to Jesus for the $6 billion debt. You know, this insurmountable debt that we owe, but we, we leave his presence. We leave this, this, what we could never, ever do for ourselves acting as if we still have to pay him back. Yeah. Um, and, and I, one of the big things in, in that interaction is that he decides to go and enact his own justice. Yeah, he does. After, after he's been shown justice that it, like what was done for him was unfair. He shouldn't have, like, he shouldn't be forgiven. He should have to pay it back. One could make the argument that the king was being unjust mm-hmm. um, in just forgiving his debt. But, but you're right. I think he, he, there is, you know, and we don't see it a lot from the text, but I think we have this tendency to feel like, okay, God, uh, you know, thanks for, thanks for the forgiveness, but um, now I need to enact justice in the world on your behalf. Yeah. You know, and we, and we do such a bad job, right? Like, and, and, and we, we come across this way as if we're wielding the, the power of God. I, I think of the, I literally just saw a shirt the other day that said, only God can judge me. And that's in response, you know, you don't buy a shirt like that unless a Christian has judged you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. um, and, and we definitely <laughs> have some work to do there. But, but I saw this, only God can judge me. And I forget who said it, but I've heard it somewhere. And he said, he said and that should scare you. Right? That only God can judge you. But but this idea that we 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 go out there and we try to enact our own justice, but we totally miss it because we were unaffected by what Christ did for us. Like we forgot or we we didn't pay attention or we didn't understand mm-hmm. or we took it for granted or we felt entitled to it, you know? I had that's a that's a big one too. That's like, one. all right, God, forgive my sin. Neat. Thanks. You know, what you're there for. I'm kind of a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And the end of this parable is scary because, you know, it, it, it says, you wicked servant, um, because you, you've acted this way and you've not shown mercy, neither will I show you mercy. Mm-hmm. And he sends him to jail. Um, and that's one of the ouch lines in yeah. this parable. Um, 
but but let's piece that together a little bit. If I'm someone who has had an encounter with God, and I am completely unaffected by it, right? Like I've heard the gospel, I've I've heard the good news, and I said, eh, nah, right? And I I go ahead and I walk my own way, and I in some sort of self entitled way impose my own version of justice on others, and I'm not merciful. And and any of that, well, that's probably a great indicator that I've completely misunderstood God in the first place. Yeah. And I need to meet him all over again. Like I, I, I yeah. and again, I don't want to jump into the theo- theological implications of all of that. I don't know. I don't know what that means exactly. Right. But like I said in the sermon, it, that's bad. Yeah, right? yeah it doesn't sound great. <laughs> um, we are to be transformed by just the sheer act of his forgiveness, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and, and walking away from that forgiveness completely unaffected is, is, is just dangerous. Um, it's dangerous, and uh, I think maybe a lot of people do walk away. They are unaffected, and then, and then they go through the rest of their life thinking, well, I know Jesus, and this is all that there is, right? This is the best that Jesus has to offer. And it's like, no, there's so much more. You've missed it, right? right. You got it wrong at the beginning, so you've missed it. Right. And then that kind of goes back into our deconstructing, deconstruction oh, conversation. Yeah. Like, these are all so linked and tied together. Yeah. There's a reason that they're all in a series together. Yeah. So um, one, of the, one of the things that I'm going to quote you again that you said um, in response to this, um, the setup of Peter asking Jesus about forgiveness and like, yeah. what is the limit on forgiveness? Like, what do I have to do? And then Jesus launching into this story because he's such a, a the most gifted storyteller yeah. and, and such a great teacher in that way. Um, but in light of that, right, in light of Peter's setup and then the story that Jesus tells us is abandon your forgiveness limit. Like that was the challenge that for me, that's what I, that was so much of the challenge. There was challenges right at the beginning to even just understand what hurt looks like and what that is and who you might be in this story. But ultimately abandoning our forgiveness limit is, is not just about understanding. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's an active intentional, there's work to be done. And this is where we can get it confused and say, I have to work to earn God's love. And that's not it, right? That's a, that's a complete misunderstanding. The Lord loves. And out of our receiving that, we work, right? Like, like when, I, when I do understand the depth and the breadth of his love for me, I desire to be like him, right? The closer I am to him, the more I can see his heart and the more my desires become what he desired. And this forgiveness limit idea, we're all the way, you know, full circle back around to it. How much do I have to forgive them? Um, What's the requirement? And Jesus didn't have a limit, right? Like I, I think of First Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah. I just always go back to that. It's not about husbands and wives. It's not. It's just not. Right. You want to know what it's really about? He's writing to a church about people in the church. Right. 
He's writing to Christians about other Christians and how to love them well. And the same doctrine that says, love them, love is patient, love is kind, it keeps the record of wrongs, is the same one that says, love your enemies. And it's like this, so, so yeah, we, we have to abandon our forgiveness limit because really it just keeps us chained up. Well, and as we are, if, if God's intention for us is to imitate Christ, then he, you know, he didn't have a limit. And God, I think one of the, one of the things you guys said was like this idea that God doesn't, God's not keeping count. Like he sort of loses count. And, and I know that's not the actuality. Like God doesn't, God doesn't have a brain that forgets. (laughs) It's not not that the way that we can so easily forget things, but that because of who Jesus is, that every time that like when we are at the judgment, right? When we face our judgment, that Jesus steps in for every count. Yeah. We will, there is an account of what we do on this earth. Yeah. We will answer for that. But that Jesus steps in and says, I got him. Yeah. I got her. It, it is this, and I've gone here a lot recently, this First John 1, 9, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he starts chapter two and says, my little children, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. But when you do, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ, the righteous, the propitiation for our sin. It says, don't sin, but, but when you but do. But when you do. But when, but when you do, right? There's almost this expectation of like, but, but you know, the, the goal is to not, but when it happens because we live in a broken world, we need to take that sin seriously. God doesn't just go, uh, uh, what did he do again? Right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, we will stand in front of him someday and give an account for the things that we've done in this life. However, the word advocate is so wonderful because when God, when, when God the Father, very rightly, I shouldn't say this, he's, it's not anger, he very rightly points at me and says, you did this, and the punishment is death. Right. Christ steps in and says, I paid for it. And God says, yeah, you did. And then the next thing, and you did this, Andrew. And Christ steps in and says, I paid for it. And God says, yeah, you did. And then the next, right? And Mm -hmm. so there is a record. And just out of my my sheer desire to honor God, that's going to stink for me, right? As I I listen to those things. Um, but, But it is not this this horrible guilt-filled process of rubbing my nose in it, right? It's, it, that's not what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think um, where you ended your sermon is where I want us to, to end today. Um, just because we, we've talked a lot about forgiveness. We've talked about, like, <laughs> Jesus, who is the perfect forgiver, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and God, who has been forgiving since before we knew the name Jesus, yeah. uh, since before the foundation of the earth, they made this plan for our forgiveness. Um, the thing is, forgiveness is not always going to mean restoration of relationship. Yeah. Peace with another, like peace with someone who has hurt you is not going to always mean reconciliation in that kind of way. And I think that it's so important to, to recognize and to, to own, like, we are not Jesus. Yeah. We are not God. And sometimes those things take uh, more time than we want them to. Like, we don't want to sit in our hurt right. and, and 
hurt for a long time, like that we don't want, if we thought that like, oh, forgiveness means that all that pain goes away and we don't have to think about it anymore, then maybe we would be a little bit, you know, quicker to, to reach to that forgiveness, but not everything, not all forgiveness, like just because we are called to forgive people does not mean that we are called to maintain relationship with them indefinitely. And it doesn't mean that, that people who have, like we talked about, um, in the very beginning of this series that there's like very real abuse, spiritual, physical, all of those things that, that those things like the forgiveness is for you and for those other people, but it doesn't always mean that your relation is going to be restored or, or full reconciliation there. Um, where that idea of forgiving people who don't really know what they're doing. Jesus saying forgive yeah. them for they know not what they do like I think that's a good perspective for us it's like we forgive the people that have hurt us intentionally and we need to learn to forgive the people that hurt us unintentionally like we've created the narrative mm-hmm. about what they've done they didn't mean it right I think that's probably more than we want to admit yeah is that that like most people didn't intend to hurt me this way. Mm. And yet I felt hurt. So that, you know, so for forgiving them as well. Um, but, but really I think where I ended that sermon was just very personal for me because I did get to a point of complete frustration with holding on to these things and feeling justified in not forgiving people and getting petty, getting angry, wanting to get revenge and Really, the Lord just kind of smacked me upside the head. And uh, like I said in the sermon, I, I was on my riding lawnmower, right? I, I mowed yesterday and I thought of it again while mm-hmm. I was driving toward the swing, right? Um, and he just said, like, pray for him, right? Like, if you want, you want peace with this person in your heart, like, pray for their success, pray, pray for them. And yeah. you cannot, I just told my kids this the other day, I said, I said, you can't be you can't be like angry and throwing a tantrum while you're also humming or singing your favorite worship song. The two don't go handed. Like you cannot have both of them. Right. Um, so it's kind of the same. Like you cannot hold a grudge while you're praying for someone. You just can't. Um, and it takes a while to maybe get there and that's okay. But I mean, it worked for me, I guess. Yeah. And, and every time that I feel one of these circumstances where somebody hurts me, I run immediately to prayer and just say, God, I don't want to do this, but I just want to pray for them and lift them up right now. And all of the pettiness in me, it, it all like kind of gets riled up. And sometimes that prayer is really hard because like it, all of that is fighting against genuine prayer. Like, yeah. maybe I can pray for, the, pray for them. Dear God, please help them to not be such a jerk, right? Like, but mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not it, right? right. Um, it's literally just praying for their success and their relationship with Jesus and blessing, and it may never get fixed. They yeah. may continue to be horrible. Yeah. And yet, I can have peace. And you talked about God's intention, and that's God's intention. Right? Paul starts and ends a lot of his letters with, you know, Peace be with yeah, you and, and peace have you. peace with one another. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to tell you all these things that you're doing wrong. And then he ends it with, and have peace with one another. Right? And that's God's intention for us. Yeah. I think um, something I've said before 
um, and probably even on this podcast, is that when we can go from praying about to praying for, which you said, like praying for someone, I think that that's part of that mind shift and that heart shift is like, yeah, I might be praying about you, but when I shift to praying for you, I can't yeah. stay petty. <laughs> like you start out maybe in my about prayers, yeah. but if when you move to like, when I'm am moved to pray for you, um, then, then no longer am I praying about what I can get out of this situation, yeah. like how, how this can affect me or, or benefit me. But now I'm praying like genuinely for you. And yeah. that starts to really create, like it takes practice. And it de- and practice doesn't make perfect. I don't know whoever said practice makes perfect. It makes progress. But <laughs> practice, it just takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Um, and I think, but there is, I think we can distinctly recognize when we go from praying about to praying yeah. for. So if that's you today, like, and you're you're listening to this and you're like, no, I have been praying for them and I still feel this thing like I'm still yeah. feeling this way then then maybe that's what it is maybe what it is is you're praying about the situation and not quite yeah. moved to four yet so. yeah because that's a big jump right like that that really is please help me deal with all of their stupidity is really praying about someone right, right? like please help them to feel conviction for the things that they've done to me you can obviously be and I've prayed both of those things right like you can feel the hesitancy to give it to the Lord yeah. right there. You, yeah. you can, you can just sense it, but God, I just, I just pray that today they would fall deeper in love with you. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different sentiment, yeah. right? Um, and I just want to throw out one more challenge is that I do this a lot when Kyle preaches. I'm like, Oh, that's so good for that person over like that, that I know that needs to, I need to forward it, this you know, sermon like, to somebody <laughs> and or like yeah he means he means yes that's so good um except you know except he doesn't know this situation right, so right. he doesn't mean like all the time he just <laughs> right. you know and and this is a really challenging topic because I'm guessing that everyone who's listening to this someone's popped into your head yeah. the person who really doesn't deserve to be forgiven until you I, I've got them Right, like I've got them. They pop into my head. They pop into my heart, and those are the ones that, especially, like those are that's where we start. Um, is is those really difficult ones that, by all of the world standards, don't deserve it, but we don't live by the world standards. That's so good. That's so good, Andrew. Thank you for coming back to Fathom Beyond Sunday, especially to to come and talk about your message from Sunday. I appreciate it. Guys, if you are, if you need prayer, if there, you're having a situation and you just don't know where to go with it, if you need prayer, you can always text the keyword FATHOM to 97000. If you have questions that you want answered or something you're just wrestling with and, and you want to talk about it, you can always email info at fathom.church. And yeah, I check that email and we'll go over those things on the podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. And we look forward to seeing you back here next week. Nailed it.